Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson Section 7 Termination 7.1 Dealer The ground fell away as Andy hurried off the field, huge chunks of it disintegrating into a canyon of nothingness. The words Chris, firstborn, and plague blasted in her mind. She barely got through the stadium gates before she toppled over, landing on all fours. Then another word appeared with the rest. Jenna. She gripped the ground, then fought to stand, but her legs kept crumpling beneath her. A woman wearing a Day of the Dead t-shirt with a rose-covered cross bumped into Andy, and she remembered her family's firstborn had died at birth, the death her mother couldn't stop blaming herself for. The thought seared through her, and she found her balance and ran. Adams's Mercedes was waiting on Bishop's Lodge, as promised. Chen took the bag as Andy slid into the car. He pulled out the bloody hair. Messy, he said, then stretched open the bag and took inventory. Where's the towel? Andy's heart gaveled in her chest. Ah, uh, I must have dropped it. No breadcrumbs, remember? Chen shook his head, irritated. I'll have to go back and try and find it. Now? She asked, panicked he'd stumble onto Chris. No, later, once things have calmed a bit. Chen straightened the bloody lock of hair as best he could, then placed a tiny elastic band around one end, put it in the case, and clicked it shut. He snapped open a Ziploc bag, carefully slid the bloody knife inside, and cleaned his hands with a wet wipe. Finally, he repacked the messenger bag, zipped it shut, and set it at his feet. Every action choreographed and rehearsed. No movement wasted. Then he looked at Andy. You okay? He asked as calmly as if she'd just stubbed her toe. Yes. She leaned against the door. He folded his hands in his lap. Wasn't so hard after all, was it? A sticky disgust lined her belly. I guess not. Congratulations. Now you know what it feels like to have power over events and people larger than yourself. You stopped the plague. Who knows how many lives you've saved. His voice was flat, almost sarcastic. Andy clung to the door, her mind spinning about Chris. Chen looked out the window, his still wet hands glistening as the street lights rolled across them. You'll now be one of Arius's proven trusted assistants. Based on your performance, he'll give you more responsibility and reward. You'll be part of his new regime. Ask him what reward, Tate said. Dry-mouthed, Andy chewed her tongue to rouse some saliva. What kind of reward? Well, he said, I imagine he'll reward you with money, opportunity, title, anything you desire. 
you're now more worthy than some of his best clients who do much less. And they end up movie stars, business tycoons, prime ministers. Lawyers? Chen nodded. At least. If you ask, he'd make you a dean of a law school. Or a Supreme Court justice. He's done it before. For who? He looked at Andy with drooping eyes. You still don't understand, do you? Arius is the founder of the Influence Arts. His teaching has been passed from generation to generation, culture to culture, evolving into various practices like Santerian spellcasting, voodoo, hoodoo, Ophite and Native American skinwalker magic, Japanese kitsune, what some people call black magic or the occult. If you look closely, every influence practice is built on the same set of practices and beliefs. His. So, by influence, you mean control, right? Some might call it that. He'll teach you if you'd like. She nodded, faking interest. Chen spoke slowly. And, of course, he can easily tap into his network of contacts and clients across government, business, media, education, to get you what you want. The only thing he can't trade in is creating or restoring life. Wow, he's in deep, Tate said. Get back to the contract. She fidgeted in her seat. So what are the terms for the sacrifice, exactly? The reward for what I just did? The lights from the street rolled over Chen's pale lips. The fever lifts and the plague stops. But Arius also gets something else. He receives key information about people, markets, politics, and how to control them in the future. He gets to see the future? Seriously? Chen tipped his head. More like seeing moves on a game board before they happen. Understanding the potential domino effect of certain points of influence and knowing where to push. It gives him incredible power to help people in significant ways. It's how he saw you last fall. What? She stared at Chen. Saw me how? The table you saw me standing at that day in the vaults. It's an ancient form of communication that later became a parlor game called the Ouija board. Arius asks for information, and depending on the terms of his contract, he gathers what he needs through the symbols. Information about market fluctuations, media trends, even the behavior of individuals, if he asks. Helps him provide services to his clients in a way no one else can. But as the year wears on, the ability wears off. By the August moon, it's gone completely. Andy turned away so Chen couldn't see her face distorting. Arius had used people manipulated them into becoming murderers simply so he could have information as trivial as which stock to buy or which script an actress should choose. I see, 
she swallowed. So the day I saw you, you were looking for information for a client? No, Chen said. I was asking for myself. But it didn't work, and if Arius knew I had tried, he'd be livid. Thank you for not saying anything. You're doing great, Tate said. Keep digging. So the floral girl, what was she? Chen folded his hands in his lap. She was a failed attempt. Our plan A sacrifice didn't work out. So the rider we originally trained saw the delivery girl as an opportunity and moved in. But he hadn't planned on her seeing his reflection in the window or her co-worker coming in to use the bathroom. After bungling it and breaking her nose, he got cold feet and ran. A thin layer of sweat broke on Andy's neck and upper lip. Rand? Yes. Chen said. I assume I don't actually look like Arius's wife, then, she said. That was just BS to get me to do what he wanted. I'm not sure. He's had several wives over the years. I've only known two. Chen leaned towards his bad arm. The carved dragon on his ear cuff looked back at Andy, snarling and hungry. He goes through women, stays with them only as long as they're useful. Then he moves on, like he does all his assets. He says he's had some favorites, but since I've known him, he's never let himself get too attached, for obvious reasons. When the car turned on to Los Campanas, Andy's thoughts shifted back to Chris her Chris. She knew nothing about the rules around religion. She had to find a way to free him from a plague she had only ever thought was a fairy tale. And she had no idea where to start. She looked over at Chen's muscular neck and worked to swallow the cotton wrapping her tongue. She scratched at the microphone tape beneath her shirt, then stopped herself and checked to make sure Chen hadn't seen... She had to stay focused on finding a solution. So the plague, what really would have happened if the sacrifice hadn't been done tonight? The disease would snowball, become an epidemic, just as Arius told you. But there's got to be another way out of it, right? A loophole somewhere. An entire epidemic can't just all hang on one man's deeds. It seems too lopsided for a real contract. Chen spun his wedding ring with his thumb. No, not for this contract. Arius wasn't kidding. There are no loopholes. Someone must die, or millions will. Andy breathed deep, gripped the door handle, and said, Then Chen... I need to tell you something. He glanced at her. Yes? I know your hand isn't injured. I know you're sick. 
Where are you going with this, Andy? Stay focused, Tate whispered. Chen gazed out the window. Do you? Do you have the Fiero strain? He looked at her, unblinking. I have stage four brain cancer. Four out of... Four, Chen said. Inoperable. Oh, Chen, I'm so sorry, she whispered. He smiled weakly. Arius was right. You do have the potential to take my place someday. What? You know he always plans for a backup. He looked at her from under his lashes. And you're logical. Know how to prioritize. Don't take things at face value. More than I gave you credit for in the beginning. When the car turned on Siler Road and headed up the hill, Andy knew she was running out of time. She had no idea how to save Chris from a contract created in a world she didn't understand the edges of. The laws. Chris and millions of others. And the only two people who could help would probably kill her if she asked. She wiped the sweat from her hands, then closed her eyes and said, Chen, I need to tell you something else. 7.2 Verdict the house was empty of light, except for a trail of tea lights leading to the master suite. Chen led the way, carrying the messenger bag in front of him like a tray. Andy followed, her muscles gripping against the cold. Arius sat in a tall chair in his room, in the dark, in a navy silk robe, sipping a stout drink and feeding Jessie. His curtains were open, and fireworks from the Zozopra burst in the distance above his head, creating a fiery, colored crown. Andy coughed as a sound check. We're right outside. Arius, what are you doing in the dark? Chen asked. Managing. What do you mean? Managing my pain, Chen like I have been for days. His voice was intense, the ropey muscles in his neck popping beneath his skin. He stood and held out his hand. Chen gave him the bag and then lit a candle. Arius pulled out the hair case and set it on the coffee table. He opened the baggie and removed the knife, Candlelight shimmered off the glassy surface, holding the blade over an antique goblet on a nearby table. He poured vodka over it to capture the red liquid. Then he stirred the mixture with a cocktail straw and drank. Did you see the sacrifice fall? He asked Andy. Yes, she said. Did you, Chen? He hesitated. Andy's brow furrowed. 
I saw her on the ground. Chana answered. Well, something must have gone wrong. When we left, the EMTs were trying to revive her. Maybe that's what's taking so long. Andy's voice was so amped with nerves, she sounded almost cheerful. She cleared her throat. Arius stared at her. You're sure the knife went deep enough? All the way through, she said. At the correct angle? Chen asked slowly. She nodded. She collapsed like a rag doll. Well, Andy, Arius said, setting down the cup. If that's the case, then why am I still on fire? Andy moved behind a couch. Arius paced, his eyes fierce. If she were dead, my dear, the pain would be gone. And it's not. So somehow, somewhere you've failed. Okay, we're coming in. No, Andy answered Tate, realizing too late she'd answered out loud. She stood wide and breathed as deep as her nerves would let her. No? Arius spun to look at her. Andy held onto the back of a couch. Let's just give it a few minutes. There's no way she could survive the hole I put in her. She'll bleed out, and then you'll be free and clear. Arius glared at her with veiny eyes. This must have happened before. A sacrifice not dying immediately. She tried to make her voice sound like his during a negotiation. In control. Logical. He slowed his step and looked at her sideways. Chen said, Rarely. How many times? Arius stopped. A few. She's probably dying even as we speak. Besides, you look like you're feeling better already. Stronger. She feigned a weak smile. Do I? Arius accused. I'm so relieved. Andy rushed forward and hugged him loosely so he wouldn't feel her trembling or the wires under her shirt. You're scalding hot. Is it always so bad? Her sympathy calmed him. He put a hand on her back. Just when I go so far past the deadline... She pulled back, casually folding her arms. When was the last time you missed a deadline? Good girl, Tate said. Arius walked to a nearby ice bucket, dropped a cube in his glass. Then he shot a knowing glance at Chen. Seems I'm missing more and more these days. Ask about names and locations. Was the last time in Idaho? Did you have to get someone like me to help you, a writer? Arius hesitated, gazing at her in the dim light. Yes. Was it your maid? He sauntered over and stroked Andy's cheek. 
His hand was so close to her earpiece, she had to fight the urge to pull away. You look flushed. You're not coming down with something, are you? A gong rang through the house. What? Who the hell is that? Tate whispered. Are we expecting someone, Chen? Arius kept his eyes on Andy, his hot fingers grazing her skin. No. Chen glanced at Andy. I'll see who it is. Arius refilled his drink. You're unusually clear-minded and curious for your first time, Andy. Careful, he's fishing. She swallowed. Well, you know how my mind works. I like to know the terms, the details of the process, especially if I ever have to do this again. He swirled the ice in his drink. Or in case you get caught. She nodded. Ask about the trophies. She nodded at the case on the table. So, what do you do with the hair? He leaned against the couch, looked at her, then slowly said, You know, years ago we had to scalp the sacrifice, but soon it became too obvious, so the requirement was changed to just a lock of hair. Where do you keep them? Somewhere safe. He took a sip and said, Any further questions? A shout came from the foyer. No, Andy whispered at the sound. Through the door came Chris. Chris.